This is Body Count, a horror movie podcast, with your hosts, Trent Scott and Graham Asher. <laughs> Yes! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Body Count. You're home for all things creepy, crawly, ghouly, gory, or anything else that goes bump in the night. I am Trent Scott, and he is Graham Ashley. Hey, what's up, Trent? And yes, welcome back, everybody, to Body Count, and happy Halloween to everybody as well. Happy Halloween, Trent. How you doing? Uh, how you feeling about Halloween this year, man? Well, not only happy Halloween, Graham, happy anniversary. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yes, this is the one-year anniversary of our first show. That's right. Last year, we kicked it off with a look at the original 1978 Halloween. Uh, we have done 23 regular episodes, plus a few bonus episodes along the way during that time span. And now, today, episode 24 is the fourth installment of the Halloween franchise. Yes, episode 24. Um, Trent, that begs the question... Moving forward of our next episode, would that be season two, episode one, or how, how are we going to do that? I think so. I think that's how I'm gonna. That's how it's gonna show up on your on your lovely pod catching devices. <laughs> All right. So this is uh this the is season finale. finale. <laughs> yeah, we're in the finale of season one. It's been a fun year, dude. Absolutely. And you know what, Graham? I have a couple of surprises up my sleeve for today's episode. The first of which. I got you an anniversary gift. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Now, I was not able to ship it, so it is still in my possession. But the next time I am in the DFW area, I will be presenting it to you. But if you can remember a few episodes back, there was a a certain movie poster that, uh, that stood out to us. Um, yes, there was. I'm trying to think which one it was. I, I feel like you're going to review it on air. It had a tagline yeah. that stood out. I love that. Is that so, for me? That is for you, buddy. So uh, for those of you listening, because this is an audio show, I have a <laughs> framed and matted Friday the 13th Part 2 movie poster, which, of course, bears the tagline, the body count continues just like this show. The body dude, count continues it. on into year two. <laughs> I love it, dude. I'm so excited to hang that up in my office. Um, wow. What a thoughtful gift. And you know, if you guys didn't know, Trent used to, in his former life, before he's a, a you know, professional, uh, I don't even know your title, but, um, but yeah. Integration specialist. Hey, there you go. Um, in his past life, he used to work in the framing department of a popular box store that uh is so is that kind of how you got your framing seals did you have some uh connections there or what i I took it to that popular box store and had this work done (laughs) there because i wasn't going to do it myself i'm a it's been uh oh coming up on a decade since i've actually framed anything myself so uh took it to said box store and they had uh the lovely ladies there did it for me awesome well dude i'm that's 
So cool. I, I didn't get you anything. I feel like I need to get you. Well, something. you got me the uh, the Michael Myers doll back on my birthday. So true. Uh, true. Didn't get a birthday present from you that I remember. So no. so but <laughs> you got an anniversary gift. Yeah, even better, dude. That's that's super cool. Thank you. We'll we'll post pictures of my anniversary gift on Body Count Pod on Instagram. Body Count Show. Glad one of okay. us knows our own social media handle. I was like thinking at the time. I was like, uh, yes, at Body Count Show on Instagram. So you guys can look forward to seeing that. Speaking of which, uh, there's currently. Uh, right now, a collection, uh, a picture of my Stephen King uh, hardcover collection right now uh, that I'm going to be working on acquiring the rest of his work that I don't currently have. So uh, the first three pictures are up now of what I currently have. And then uh, I'm planning on posting more pictures as, uh, as I get more work. So that should be an ongoing series there. Yeah, and if you guys want to mail any to Trent, we'll be Absolutely, happy, yes. happy to, to give him... To Slide give into address. our DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys have a hardcover Stephen King that you want to give to Trent, uh, he will accept it. I know that for a fact. So, uh, so yeah, so it's been a year, and uh, I think it's time to do what we do best, Graham. I think it's time to talk about a movie. Yes, and like we said, we are on the fourth installment of Halloween, the return of Michael Myers, which yes. everybody desperately wanted after season of the witch. Yes, a hundred percent. So before we jump into the plot, this is the time for Trent to give his one sentence synopsis of Halloween Four: the return of Michael Myers. Well, Graham, you know how I said I had a couple of surprises. Yes. Welcome to surprise number two. Oh, okay. So I hope to nail this on the first take. So let's see how this goes, because I've got a little something special for today's one sentence synopsis. <clears throat> Let me clear the throat a bit. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Guess who's back? Back again. Michael's back. Tell a friend. <laughs> Guess who's back? 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 Nah, nah, nah. I love it. Oh, I'm not done. I've created a monster because nobody wants anthologies no more. They want Michael in this franchise. Well, if you want Michael, this is what I'll give you. Halloween 4, The Return of Mike Myers. Now, this looks like a job for me because the Akkads need some box office receipts and their pockets feel so empty without me. Love it. Love it. What do you think? You, you... I don't know how to follow I don't know do how to follow think I have up. a career in rap? <laughs> Um, you know, I wouldn't uh, quit your job. A, but, a side hustle, at least? Uh, can, I, can, no, I, can I start a, a SoundCloud? Maybe yeah. a Patreon? <laughs> everybody, needs, everybody needs a side hustle in this economy. So, um, yeah, I think you're good. Why drive Uber or Lyft when you can um, create sick beats featuring um, Hollywood's favorite horror guys? All right. Love it. So, with that out of the way, and I do mean out of the way, <laughs> let's get into the movie. <laughs> so. Let's, this is a bit different than what we normally do, but in order to talk about this movie, we have to talk about what's come before, just a little bit. So the original Halloween comes out in 1978. It is set in the modern day. Three years later, Halloween 2 comes out in 1981, but it picks up directly where the first film left off. So it's set on the same night, Halloween 1978. Halloween 3, we don't care about, we're moving on. Halloween 4 
now released mm-hmm. in 1988, takes place 10 years after the original film, which also means it takes place 10 years after Halloween 2. Everybody got it? We got it. And um, Loomis and Michael apparently aren't dead because they were intended yes. to die after Halloween That was two. supposed to be it. As we talked about in the Halloween 3 podcast, there was supposed to be no more Michael. But the audience had other plans and the Akkad family wanted them tickets to be sold. So here we are. The return of Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. The return of Michael Myers. And if this was taking place today, there would be like a change.org <laughs> happening to yes. get Michael back. So you know the Akkad family listened. <laughs> um, we get our opening credits. And by the way, speaking of the Akkads, did you notice Mustafa Akkad gave himself above the yes. title building? As a producer. Yes, he did. As a producer. It is his. And it's worth noting, this really is his Halloween 4. John Carpenter is out the door. He's gone. He has nothing to do with this. This is the Akkad family making all these decisions. Yeah, we'll see if it paid off for him. So we open up. We get our title card that tells us it is October 30th, 1988. We are pulling up to... uh, Ridgemont Federal Sanitarium. And for those of you like me who are like, wait a minute, that's not where Michael was stationed. He was at Smith's Grove. Well, you're right. Because we find out that after the events of the second movie, that Michael has been in a comatose state for these past 10 years and that he is being held at Ridgemont Federal Sanitarium. And now two people from uh, Smith's Grove have come to pick him up and take him back to Smith's Grove. And yes, uh, also worth noting at this point, Loomis is still his doctor uh, for my thoughts on Sam Loomis. Go see our first episode. Not a great therapist. Um, <laughs> Sam Loomis is still the doctor in charge. However, they are doing this clandestine in the middle of the night without informing Loomis. We find out he has no idea his patient is getting transferred. Yeah, it's probably a good idea to loop in the um, attending physician, the, the, the doctor, into uh, the patient's care, if you will. Um, typically, those type of people have to sign off for it. But as the guy tells us, uh, Loomis is really, at this point, more in a role of, um, what's the word that he used? Um, he's like he's not like actively practicing yeah. anymore. I believe Michael is the only patient at this point. Yeah, and it's like it's a ceremonial role that he's yes. the head of this, right? Yes. So um, that explains that a little. So... Uh, these two attendants, one male, one female, get them all loaded up in the ambulance to transport him from one loony bin to the other. And they start talking about his family. And we find out that Michael now has a niece, Jamie Lloyd, the daughter of his sister, uh, who we will come to find out, Lori Strode, is dead. She died in a car wreck, but she had a daughter in the 10 years in between uh, storyline and while these two are talking about his niece michael the innate evil in him senses i've got family time to attack <laughs> so michael comes out of his coma attacks the male attendant by shoving his thumb through the guy's brain ring that bell that's number one wow Right off the bat, yes, body count number one. I mean, 
he, he's going to use that thumb throughout the, throughout the film. Um, real powerful guy, Michael is. But yeah, pretty gruesome. Um, man, we're starting out with a bang here with some good gore. So then uh, we uh, meet his niece, Jamie, who uh, is now living with her aunt and uncle and her cousin. And it's four o'clock and her cousin Rachel uh, finds her awake. And it turns out Jamie has been having recurring nightmares about a boogeyman who we all recognize as Michael, but she doesn't know that yet. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, she has a nightmare, um, but it's just a dream. Michael is not actually there yet. Yeah, that threw me off at the beginning. I haven't seen this movie in a while, so I'm like, oh, man, he's already in the room with Jamie. This is not going good for her. But, um, yes, turns out to be a nightmare. So the next morning, uh, her aunt and uncle inform Rachel that instead of being able to go out with her boyfriend that evening, that she is now going to have to babysit Jamie and take her trick-or-treating, to which Rachel starts protesting. Jamie overhears this and is very heartbroken that rachel doesn't want to watch her very sad yeah it is sad um she's like i'm sorry that i'm here and you can't go out you know you just feel bad for the little girl you know well and then things get worse because jamie heads to school and the worst children ever taught her by telling her your uncle's the boogeyman and your mommy's dead yeah they they Chase after her, calling her orphan, orphan. I mean, just terrible, you guys. Just terrible children. I know kids bully, but I mean, that is... This is so far over the top. (laughs) Ha ha, your mom died. Like, good God. (laughs) Yes. Um, Just, you know, I I wish Michael... We could sick Michael on those those kids, you know? Yes. So at this point, uh, we get our first... uh, visual sighting of sam loomis as he goes into work on the morning of halloween only to be informed uh yeah your boy mikey's not here anymore also we see sam loomis's face is all burned up from the events of halloween too yeah and he walks with a cane yes he is very injured after what happened to him in the hospital at the end of halloween too (laughs) and then uh he has a great line here where he says, you let them take it out of here. We are talking about evil on two legs. Yeah. I mean, how do they not understand? Michael Myers is the is the incarnate of evil, you guys. Um, yes. You don't let him go anywhere without the Loomis's position and probably more, you know, like security, like maybe like handcuff him to some stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is at this point that they find out, surprise, surprise, Things went wrong in the transportation last night. And uh, as they are trying to identify bodies, Loomis obviously knows Michael did this as there's a big crash scene basically by like a lake on the side of the road. And we are told that uh, there were four others in the ambulance with Michael. So we can go ahead and ring that bell three more times because we didn't see what happened to him, but they didn't make it. Yeah, boom, we're jumping from one to four real quick after that ambulance cl- crash. So. so at this point, Loomis decides I'm headed to Haddonfield, but we are told it's about a four hour drive. So naturally along the way, Loomis needs to stop for gas. And it is at this point 
where suspension of disbelief becomes very difficult. Because you see, <laughs> Loomis, in this four-hour car ride, happens to stop at the exact same gas yeah. station at the exact same time that Michael Myers <laughs> himself did. Because you see, Michael was just a few minutes before him, and uh, he killed both a mechanic and a waitress in the gas station. So ring the bell two more times. Yep. Five and six. And then Loomis discovers the two dead bodies and comes face to face. Well, a whole length distance away from Michael. He tries shooting at him. Michael takes off. Loomis runs outside. Michael drives out of the garage in a big old pickup truck. And somehow I didn't catch what he did, but somehow starts a blaze that causes the service station and Loomis's car to go boom in a big old fire. Yeah, it's unexplainable. Um, couldn't happen. But I do need to note, and I'm happy to note, that Loomis has upgraded weapons. <laughs> he is no longer carrying uh, the six-shooter. He has a nickel-plated gat that he's got now. <laughs> so, Also, uh, uh, <laughs> worth noting that in the fire, Michael managed to take out the telephone pole, which means Loomis has no way to call ahead and warn the dear people of Haddonfield that evil is on its way. Yeah, he's a genius. He can conjure explosions. He can knock out communications. Um, yeah, he knows what he's doing. So uh, at this point, we check back in on Jamie, who it is now the end of the school day. She is picked up by Rachel and Rachel's best friend, uh, Lindsay. And... Uh, Jamie has decided she wants to go trick-or-treating after all. So they head to the Vincent Drug Discount Mart where there's a sale on Halloween costumes. And uh, Rachel tells Jamie to go pick out one of her own while Rachel goes and talks to her boyfriend, Brady, and gives him the bad news. Hey, sorry, got to break plans for later. Yeah, so um, what does what kind of costume does Jamie just happen to stumble across Trent. Why? She picks out a clown costume. Now, who else in this franchise have we seen wear a clown costume? Well, that would be Michael Myers, of course. In the opening scene of the original film. Yeah, hmm. it's basically like the same costume. Yes. Let's keep that in mind for later, shall we? Well, it's noted. It's in the brain bank. <laughs> so while Jamie is picking out her costume, she sees a vision of the boogeyman from her nightmares, and we can't help but notice that for some unknown reason, one of the masks on sale happens to be the same mask that Michael wore 10 years ago on his killing spree. Now, call me crazy, Graham, but <laughs> if 16 people were murdered on Halloween night by a crazed killer in a mask, I don't think that town would be selling said mask. Yeah, no, I 100% I agree with you. It's in bad taste, to say the least. And it's just, the, the town needs to heal. You can't have that mask in there. What's, what's the deal, guys? But anyway, so Jamie has this vision and she like shatters a mirror and screams and everybody comes and runs. And we can't help but notice that as Jamie is getting some attention, somebody grabs that mask off the shelf. Ooh. Uh-oh. 
Yeah, um, we saw the truck that Michael was driving parked outside as they entered the drugstore to get the costume. So he is already in Haddonfield, not far behind. Um, where's Loomis, man? He needs to hurry up. Well, Loomis, now without a car, is forced to hitchhike. <laughs> so uh, these like cheerleaders act like they're going to pick him up and then just spray dirt in his face. And eventually he's finally picked up by a maniacal Old Testament style preacher. Yeah, so go- going back to the the teenagers and you know the the cheerleaders and you know they're just being jerks. What was the point of that? <laughs> yeah, there really wasn't one, was there? <laughs> no, I'm like, are we going to get to see them get killed later? Yeah, no, we never I, see no. them again. <laughs> we or, never see them, again. or so any cheerleaders for that matter. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just wanted to point that out. What was the point of that? So in this uh, old school hellfire and brimstone preacher, Loomis finds a kindred spirit. And yeah, the guy pulls out a bottle of whiskey as he's driving, takes a big old <laughs> hit and passes the bottle to Loomis, who partakes as well. Yeah, drinking and driving laws, I guess, a little more lax in the 80s, maybe. But still, this guy is a loony, loony character. He's like a preacher, like you said. He's got like stickers and stuff about religious tropes and his like preacher outfit. I don't know what that's called. Yeah. It's like all ripped up. I mean, this guy's well, and this he, guy's still, like, and he, he asked Loomis, Oh, you're chasing it. Aren't you? He's like, I've been chasing it for 30 years myself. <laughs> yeah. He's chasing the apocalypse or something. Yes. Right? So, uh, by the way, if we forgot to mention as Rachel was talking to her boyfriend, uh, Brady, Brady was kind of a dick to her. And it's like, oh, why are you just now telling me if you found out this morning? Brady's a jerk. Yeah, Brady, Brady's definitely a jerk. We're going to see that he doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities or um, any kind of sense of um, loyalty to to his current girlfriend either. But that that comes later. Yep. So that night, it's Halloween night. Jamie and Rachel have gone trick or treating. So there's no one home. But someone is in the Carruthers house because we see Michael has broken in and he has found Jamie's pictures of her mother, Lori. Yeah, he stumbles across those. Um, so now he knows he's, he's got the right person. He's, he's after he's after Jamie now. And I let me let me pull it back a little bit and we'll talk about this. And I know you're hopefully going to go into how some of these movies count. Some of these movies don't, but not, I didn't really like how they just killed off Lori. Um, you know, she's just dead in a car accident, man. Well, that's I mean, what happens when Jamie Lee Curtis has no interest in returning to your franchise. <laughs> True that. You want to make a movie and your lead star doesn't want to do it. You kill them off. <laughs> yeah. In a car accident, of course. Yes. So, oh, and for good measure, before leaving the house, Michael kills Sunday, the family dog. I know. I was bummed out. Uh, Sunday was a sweet dog. So, sorry, Sunday. You don't go toward the body count because we established that in the first movie. But still, sad for Sunday. So, at this point, Loomis has now arrived in Haddonfield, and he has dropped off at the police station where he runs in looking for Sheriff Brackett from the first film, only to be told, well, Sheriff Brackett retired in 81, and he meets the new sheriff, Sheriff Meeker. Yeah, uh, the original sheriff, um, he's living in, like, what they say, St. Petersburg. Yeah, he's enjoying retirement. In so he moved, like, 3,000 <laughs> miles away or something. 
Um, so we got a new character. Yes. We got a new sheriff in town, literally. So uh, Loomis says Michael Myers is on the loose. He's certainly going to be here in Haddonfield and that Jamie Lloyd is in trouble. So at first, Sheriff Meeker's like, no, well, how do you know? And then he finally is like, okay, we got to take this seriously. Yeah, I mean, as, as he should. I mean, Michael is just dropping, leaving bodies behind everywhere. Um, so you got to take this seriously. Um, what was the name of the, the last sheriff? Was it uh, Brackett. Brackett? Yes. Yeah, Brackett didn't take it as serious. Yeah, um, until his Meeker, daughter Meeker, died. <laughs> yeah, until his daughter died. And uh, it was good to see Meeker say, hey, you know what? We need to get everybody inside. We need to, we need to put a curfew involved and, and try to catch Michael. So at this point, Jamie and Rachel are, like I said, out trick-or-treating. And whose house should they arrive to but Sheriff Meeker's, where not only does his daughter Kelly answer the door, but that scoundrel Brady is there with her. <laughs> yeah, he didn't waste any time um, to move to move into the arms of another willing woman. Um, just because Rachel has to look after her niece, I mean, yeah. or her, you yeah. know, what a jerk! What a what a jerk! Be better, Brady. That's why you don't get a last name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So at this point. Uh, Rachel and Brady get into a big argument during which Jamie wanders off. So now Rachel is desperately searching for, for Jamie. Meanwhile, Michael on the loose has come into contact with a character named Bucky at the town power plant. And what happens to Bucky? Well, what happens to most people Michael Myers runs into? He gets killed by being thrown into like the fuse box or whatever and is electrocuted <laughs> while simultaneously knocking the power out for the entire town. Yes, ring that bell, body count number seven. A shocking turn of events, Trent. You're so clever. I'm so clever, aren't I? Um, but yeah, he throws him into like, I mean, I called it the power grid. We're very familiar with yes. the failing power grid here in Texas. So yes, that is knocked out. Uh, power for the entire town. So not not a good look. So eventually, uh, Rachel tracks down Jamie, and they just happen to run into Loomis and Sheriff Meeker. So they make a plan to all board up and hide inside Sheriff Meeker's house and wait for Michael there. Well, what's going on in Sheriff Meeker's house at the moment, Graham? Um, people are getting cozy by the fire. Yeah. Grady really brushes off that argument with Rachel real fast because, uh, him and Rachel get to know each other a little bit better, or I should say him and, uh, him and Kelly get to know each other a little bit better. Yes. Um, and Kelly is built. <laughs> this is, uh, Lorenzo Lamas's real life ex-wife. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're 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 getting very comfortable by the fire. So uh, yes, yeah. So just before things can really kick into high gear, here comes <laughs> the whole police squad. So yeah, and she's like, "Oh my god, my dad will kill you!" And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, uh, everybody runs inside, and uh, we see a shot of the police station. That has been completely ransacked. Michael has made his way through. And he killed the deputy along the way. Deputy Pierce. Ring that bell. That's number eight. 
Yeah, man. Police stations. Um, it's like a bloodbath. I mean, you don't, you see a lot of blood strewn across, strewn about, but you only see one body. That's all I noticed. So, yeah. but he's gone in there to a police station and just, yeah. just got everybody. Brazen. <laughs> yes. Very brazen. Terminator style, yes. you know? So as Loomis and Meeker are exiting the police station, they come across a mob of people asking, well, what's going on? And much to Meeker's chagrin, Loomis tells them, Michael Myers is back and on the loose just like 10 years ago. And so all the town's folks decide we're going to take matters into our own hands. And they take off to go hunt Michael while Meeker is like, you just started a riot. And he's and Loomis is like, you don't have a police force. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you, you basically have created a lynch mob. Yes. And yeah, yeah, I'm calling them the redneck mafia. Redneck <laughs> mafia. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, because they're all in trucks, shotguns. They look like good old boys. Um, yeah, redneck mafia is after Michael at this point, which makes me feel a little safer, honestly. Yep, yeah, but you know who's not safe from the redneck mafia? Ted Hollister, a local <laughs> townsman who was somehow <laughs> confused to be Michael Myers. So the redneck mafia pull over to the side of the road and just unload. And then they go and check the body. And it was, in fact, Ted Hollister. Ring the they're bell. Like, That's number nine. Yes, they're like, oh, man, that's Ted Hollister. Yeah, they just started blasting. They're just lighting up. like <laughs> Shoot oh, now, ask feel- questions later. I mean, is, is Ted Hollister ever going to get any justice? <laughs> <laughs> so now back at the meeker house the uh police force uh, and loomis all return um but so does michael so uh they all uh Lo- i should say uh sheriff meeker hands brady a gun and tells him to go wait in the attic and uh police are set up throughout the house you know all waiting for michael to show up pretty big house for a for a sheriff deputy don't you think yeah, I guess you do pretty well when you're the uh, sheriff of Haddonfield. Yes, I mean, it's like, it's so big. Um, anyway, we'll get to that. But like, nobody notices anybody going missing or anything. So, uh, Yes. So at this point, they've set up like a police radio in the house. And they call for the, I guess it's the, uh, the, state, the state troopers to come. But we eventually are told that they're 35 minutes away. So they're going to have to fend for themselves for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're heavily armed, so what could go wrong? Well, what could go wrong is the embodiment of evil could break in and <laughs> go on a killing spree. First, he gets Deputy Logan. Ring the bell. That's number 10. Mm-hmm. Then he gets the sheriff's daughter, Kelly. You're going to ring the bell. That's number 11. Yeah, why uh, Why shoot somebody when you can impale them with a shotgun? Yeah, why, you know, <laughs> just more efficient that way. More efficient. Uh, make less noise, I guess. So at this point, uh, they discover uh, Kelly's body, and Michael comes out in the open, gets into a fist fight with Brady, and in fact, uh, eventually, <laughs> it's a really crazy thing he does here, where he like <laughs> picks Brady up and squeezes his face. It's like like popping a balloon. Like, yeah, pop! <laughs> And Pop goes to Brady. You can ring the bell again. 
Yes, body count number 12 now. Um, I mean, does does Brady redeem himself at all for, like, giving them extra time and facing off against Michael Myers in hand-to-hand combat or no? That's an interesting question. Hmm. I hadn't thought of that. So... I'm going to say no, because it's not like he was actually trying to sacrifice himself. He, he thought he could take out Michael Myers. Yeah, I mean, he punches Michael as hard as he can. Yes. Michael barely moves. <laughs> um, he's like a head and a half taller than him. Um, so, yeah, just curious, you know. I mean, Brady went down fighting, at least. You got to give him that. Yes. So, meanwhile, while Brady was fighting Michael, it gave uh, Rachel and... Um, Jamie a chance to sneak out through a window onto the roof of a house to try to make an escape. But like we said, Michael overcomes Brady. He chases them out onto the roof and it eventually results in Rachel falling off the roof in a very painful fashion. We think she's dead. We will find out. In fact, she survives. Yeah. Can't ring the bell for Rachel just yet. Yes. So uh, Rachel knocked out. Uh, but Jamie heads to the school and uh, or just runs off. She's eventually rescued by Loomis. Together, they head to the school, but Michael Myers follows. So they make their way to the school. They're inside, and uh, Michael actually comes face-to-face with Jamie, but at just this point, Rachel arrives, fire extinguisher in hands, blasts Michael with the fire extinguisher, allowing both of them to run out of the school. And at this point, the Redneck Mafia shows up. Yeah, good to see them. (laughs) Well, is it? Yeah, so at this point, Redneck Mafia is there. They're having like a little bit of infighting. They're deciding whether they should go after Michael Myers or just bail and let the state troopers who are on their way do their job. Yeah, so they, they have like an internal argument. They eventually decide, let's just drive off. Let's take the girls to safety. The state troopers will get Michael. And that's the plan. So the Redneck Mafia drives out. They come across the state troopers outside the city. They tell them, hey, Michael's in the school. Go get him. But they were wrong. (laughs) Because you see, Michael has been riding apparently underneath the truck this whole time. Yeah. And he hops up into the bed of the truck. He proceeds to murder the three guys in the bed of the truck. So ring the bell three more times. And then eventually punches through the driver window and murders the driver as well for one final uh, bell ring, number 16. Yes, body count numbers 13, 14, 15, and 16. The Redneck Mafia is gone. (laughs) So at this point, Rachel slides over. She takes the wheel. She like slams on the brakes. Michael falls off. And as he is standing before her, Rachel floors it, runs him down, knocks Michael into a ditch. At this point, uh, Sheriff Meeker and some other cops arrive. And just like the redneck mafia earlier, just (laughs) unload all of their artillery on him. And Michael is shot down into like a hole, but we don't see what happens to him. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if it was a well, um, if it was a, or what, but yeah. A mine shaft. Yeah. A mine shaft. There you go. Um, But yeah, they just come out they just start blasting. 
Um, he gets hit by, I don't know, like dozens of rounds and shotgun blasts and yes. buckshot and everything. Yeah. So but can we ring the bell for him? Uh, no. <laughs> Spoiler alert. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so back at the Carruthers house, Loomis. Again, I my disdain for Loomis is so strong. Loomis, <laughs> who for three movies now has talked about how Michael is the embodiment of evil, just declares, hey, Michael's dead without having the body. If yeah. there's one person in this universe who would want to see Michael's body before declaring him dead, you would think it would be Sam Loomis. But nah, he's content. <laughs> Surely those shotgun shells did the job, despite the fact that I personally shot him six times myself a decade ago and barely hurt him. I'm sure he's dead this time. You know. Yeah, dude, you've convinced me Loomis is the worst. He's the worst! I mean, he's he's just the absolute worst. Um, I mean, he just, at this point, he's just like an old man wandering around just rumbling, he's evil, you know what I mean? (laughs) But, alas, since everything is right with the world, apparently, you know, (laughs) Jamie, she's had a long day. So it's bath time. So... Mama Carruthers goes upstairs to run a path, but Jamie still has on that clown costume. And just like the opening scene of the first film. Yes, we get a familiar shot. We get a POV shot from Jamie's perspective, looking out through the eye holes of her clown mask. And as she's making her way towards the bathroom, we see her grab a pair of scissors And then we cut downstairs. We hear Mama Carruthers yelling for bloody murder. And then we see a blood-soaked Jamie making her way down the stairs, holding the scissors, as Loomis repeatedly yells, No, no, no! And credits roll. Boom. There's a little bit to unpack there now. Yes, you notice I did not call for the bell there because we will find out in Halloween 5 that Jamie did not, in fact, kill her mother. She did stab her for, for, for real, though. She, she did do that. Okay, so she stabbed but not killed. You have to, you have to watch the other one to know that. Yes, you see, like, 4, 5, and 6 kind of make up their own trilogy of movies. Okay. So this is like the beginning of a new trilogy. And then, like... Seven and eight kind of make up their own thing. That would be HTO and Resurrection. They're like their own thing. But this four, five, and six are basically their own trilogy. Right on. So, so yeah, let's get some initial thoughts on that, Trent. Um, I guess I can start. I don't really know how to take this one, honestly. Um, happy to get Michael Myers back, but like nothing. F- I don't want to be too harsh on it, but like nothing felt too original for me. You know, um, we're going back to that same old, well, I still enjoyed it. Cause I do like Michael Myers, but you know, it's been 10 years and you think there'd be some, just some better ideas than they have. And I have some reasons and some theories why it wasn't, um, maybe, maybe as good, definitely not as good as the first two, um, better than the third one that we're not even going to talk about, but yeah. So tell me, am I wrong? Tell me your thoughts, man. Um, so it's interesting because like I said, this is kind of the start of its own trilogy where 
This movie, it's okay. I wouldn't say it's bad. Uh, the next one, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, I actually quite like. Okay. And then Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers is an unmitigated disaster. I can't wait till we get to that one day. <laughs> that movie is horrible. Um, so it's worth noting, um, this movie came out in 88. Halloween 5 immediately follows in 89. They, they, they came in back-to-back years. Um, Getting the Friday the 13th treatment. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Again, the Cods wanted that, the, the Cods wanted that money. <laughs> so it's fine. Um, I'd give it like a, like a C plus, B minus. Okay. So that's, yeah, you know, like I wanted to like it more than I more than I did, and like I said, awesome to have Michael Myers back. He's he's just as imposing as he as he was before. Um, but there was a lot of stuff, and it might have been the version that I watched. But there was a lot of stuff that, like, just we didn't we didn't see. Like, you know, you come for the you come for the kills, right? It's a slasher film. Like, we don't see him going to the police station and handle that. Nope. Um, we don't. There's a lot of off-camera deaths. Yes. I mean, including the, right at the, the beginning. ambulance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He kills four people. So, and we only got to see one. Yeah. Um, we didn't see him kill uh, the waitress um, nope. at the gas station. Uh, we didn't see what happened at the police station, like I said. Um, and yeah. So anyway, um, a lot of off-camera stuff going on, but. Now, I would probably give it a C plus. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the the version you watch because I watched this film uh, differently than I've watched any other film we've ever done on this show before. I watched this film on Shutter. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Shutter, Graham, are you familiar with Shutter? I'm not. Tell us all about Shutter. Shutter is a streaming service, four ninety nine a month, that specializes in horror films. Um, and nice. so this movie happens to be on shutter. So I decided to check it out on shutter. So, um, I figured I'd do a, like a quick mini review of shutter and I figured this is as good a chance as any. So, yeah, let's do it. um, it's interesting. The, uh, the offerings that shutter has, there's some, there's some marquee movies there, such as the original Halloween is on there. The original oh. Carrie film is on there. Nice. But then it's very scattershot with the other stuff that it has. So it has the first Halloween, does not have two or three, but then it has four and five, but then none of the other ones. So of a 12-film franchise, it only has three of the films. Um, Like I said, it has the original Carrie, doesn't have either remake. Um, It has, they they have some of their own uh, original properties. They have a show hosted by Eli Roth called History of Horror. It's like a like an interview series that, that looked interesting. And cool. they have uh, Creep Show, which is based on a Stephen King, uh, George Romero film that we'll probably get to one day. Well, they've turned it into a TV series, all uh, Tales from the Crypt. So that's an original Shutter program. Um, cool. So I, I wouldn't say that they have a very vast library, but like I said, four ninety nine a month. Uh, if you wanna you wanna see some some horror films. Maybe we're checking out. Yeah, four ninety nine a month is nothing. Um, you know, most streaming services are up. You know, ten fifteen dollars now. So yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, I just, just kind of wanted to mention that because because that was kind of unique. Um, 
But anyway, let's get back to Halloween 4, where you and I have said what we think. But what about the critics, Graham? How do you think Halloween 4 performed on the tomato meter? I'm going to say not good. I'm going to say 39. Oh, so close. 29. It is, in fact, certified rotten. 29% off of 28 reviews. Now, interestingly, with over 50,000 audience reviews, the film is basically split right down the middle. It is 52% rated by the audience. So, um, kind of like I said, right there in the middle, about half and a half on how the audience yeah. did it. Right on. Do we have any reviews from our favorite guy? Did, did, Unfortunately, uh, Roger no. One? Roger Ebert did not review this film. Okay, not surprising. But so the critics didn't love it. Audience members were split. Um, looking at the box office, they made this movie on the cheap again. Oh, all of these slasher films, yeah. Yeah, so this was made on a $5 million budget. Uh, didn't blow the doors off the box office. Uh, gross $17.8 million is what I have in my notes. Yes. Um, so profitable. Yeah, absolutely. And so the film yeah. was directed by Dwight Little, who <laughs> his uh, film career uh, kind of leaves something to be desired. As you look at the movies he's been a part of uh, outside of this, the only thing you've probably ever heard of was Free Willy 2. So, yes, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, the same <laughs> man that directed Halloween 4 directed Free Willy 2. That is interesting. That being said, though, he's had a highly successful career on television where he's uh, directed shows like 24, Bones, Castle, Prison Break, Law and Order, some, some major, major shows, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Arrow. Um, so while he didn't necessarily have a lucrative career in motion pictures, he has found steady work over the last... 30 years or so as a television director yeah you gotta hand it to him um like you said those are some those are some big hitters dude agents of shield yeah looking at bones he's directed uh 23 episodes over the years i think you're a fan of that show are you so 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 yeah oh um, the practice x-files yeah so pretty good so yeah he found his niche in, in a tv direction which is very very admirable and then in terms of the writer, uh, Alan B. McElroy, this was actually his first film that he gets a writing credit on. Um, and then, again, very scattershot career where he uh, gets a screenplay credit for Spawn, the Tarn McFarlane film, and then, shockingly, left behind the Christian film starring Kirk Cameron. Wow. But then... He goes back to the horror franchise with Wrong Turn, which is a film I, I, I liked. So uh, just, uh, just weird. In terms of TV, he wrote uh, for the original 21 Jump Street, the Johnny Depp television show. He wrote for that. And lately, he's been writing Star Trek Discovery on Paramount+. Plus. He's gotten credit on 17 episodes of that show. Yeah, good for him. So... He's a working writer yeah. in Hollywood. So, you know? so two very interesting film careers between our director and our writer here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if they got together and, and did a redo, it would be better. 
<laughs> well, yeah, with 30 more years of experience, you think they could they could uh, do better the second time? I think they could do. I think they could do better. Um, so about the writer. So I have a bloody bit. Um, so during this time in 1988, Trent, you'd be interested to know that there was a looming writer strike. So this script was written in 11 days. Wow. That is putting out the material quickly. That's like, uh, I think John Favreau wrote Swingers in 10 Days or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, that was all based on, you know, but, part of his life, yeah, part of his journey. Swingers, I mean, if you watch Swingers, it's, it's a good movie, but there's not like really a plot to Swingers. It's just like a, yes. a series of events that happens to the characters. This is like an actual A leads into B, leads into C, leads into D, like plot. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, in my in my research, yeah, he, he got it written in eleven days and beat the writer strike by mere hours. Wow. So he was able to to turn this in um, and get it done. Um, another bloody bit I have: um, not a coincidence that Jamie is named Jamie. Oh, I didn't even snap to that. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. So in the original script, her name was actually Britton. They were going to call her Britty Lloyd, uh, but they changed it to Jamie as an homage to Jamie Lee Curtis, even though Jamie Lee Curtis apparently did not want to be in the movie. I want nothing to do with your franchise. Okay, we'll name a character after you. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll get her. Um, still didn't get her to bite, but um, but yeah, an homage to Jamie Lee Curtis. And my third buddy bit, Trent, and I got this one just for you, because I know you're going to like this. Ooh. Um, so you're a big Stephen King fan. Absolutely. You've been collecting the books. So... It's hard to notice, but, you know, they have film sets and, and they go back to sets. So um, whenever they are at the drugstore to get the costume, that is, in fact, the same drugstore that was used in Stephen King's The Stand. Oh, the TV miniseries. And the TV miniseries. And also in The Sandlot. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. So, um, and The Sandlot came out in 94, the same year as The Stand. So anyway... Um, you can tell there wasn't a lot of good bloody bits to really choose from, but I thought you'd find that interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. So yeah, those are my bloody bits. Like I said, you know, when the, when you do these, um, you know, the fourth iteration of things, a lot of less meat on the bone for bloody bits, yes. but I, I found a few. All right. So any other thoughts on Halloween 4 before we move on? Should we talk about the cast? I mean, we can. Um, Danielle Harris plays Jamie. Um, you know, she's still... Does she come back in the in the fifth one? Yes, she does. She is the main character in the fifth film as well. Okay. Um, yeah, she did a good job as Jamie. Um, you know, we know you don't like Sam Loomis. Do you, do you blame the actor? Or do you blame the writer? Or, or do you just blame everybody for that? Everyone. <laughs> because the thing with Loomis, he, yes, he's terrible at his job, which is not... Donald Pleasance's fault. He didn't write the character, but his performance is always at a twelve. Evil. Yeah. He's evil. <laughs> like yeah, he's got it. That's turned all Donald all Pleasance. Up. Yeah, yeah, he's got it turned all the way up. Um, what do you think about George P. Wilbur, who plays Michael Myers? I mean, <sighs> he didn't have a lot to do other than stand there yeah, and look menacing, there. right? Yeah, just kind of there. I think it's the only time he played Michael Myers. And I did read that he was like the the third or fourth tallest. So they kept making him bigger. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, everybody else, what do you think about Rachel Carruthers, played by Ellie Cornell? I will say, uh, I found I didn't think she necessarily had a ton to do here. I think in the next movie she has a lot more to do, and I think in the next movie you actually come to like her character quite a bit more. Okay, cool. Yeah, I want to see the fifth one now um, because. You know, not having seen these in a long time, or I might not even have seen the fifth one ever, honestly. So didn't know that there was a start of its own little uh, little trilogy story. So yeah, now I'm interested in to see where this goes. Because yeah, I just thought, you know, Rachel was just kind of blah. She didn't really have... Yeah. This, it seemed, it's funny, this movie seemed to like drag in places and then happen too quickly in other places. Like, I mean, like I would have focused more on the third act and they spent um, so much time at Sheriff Meeker's house. Yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, it's a, it's it's not a perfect movie, but still an enjoyable enough part of the franchise, I think. All right. So I think that's going to do it for our thoughts on Halloween five or four <laughs> getting ahead of myself. So I think it is time to decide what we're going to do for the season premiere, Graham. Yeah, I'm excited. How are we going to kick off season two of Body Count? Well, I have three choices for you today. First off, we could just keep the Halloween train rolling. You said you wanted to see Halloween 5? We could make that happen. Your first choice, 1989's Halloween 5. Okay. Good to know. Your second option. You know, when we started this podcast, there were really... Three movie franchises we wanted to talk about, Graham. There was Halloween, there was Friday the 13th, and there was A Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, Halloween, we know we're going to have Halloween every year, so there's always going to be a slot on the calendar for Halloween. Friday the 13th, we get one or two of those a a year. We've already done uh, Friday the 13th Part 2. But that third one, A Nightmare on Elm Street, doesn't fit neatly onto any calendar. So as a result, we only ever did the first film. So your second option would be continuing that franchise with A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. All right. I'm more excited about that than Halloween 5. I will say that. (laughs) And then your third and final option. This is just kind of because I've been on my Stephen King run lately. This is kind of just a personal one. Spawning. One of the longest running horror franchises in existence, 1984's Children of the Corn. Ooh, I like that option too. Yeah, big fan of Children of the Corn growing up. I, um, yeah, I've seen almost all of those as a kid. Um, would always, I always like to say, run into two day video blockbuster. Um, was always drawn to Children of the Corn. I remember the original one pretty well. So, um, yeah, I like that. I like that option as well. So I'm going to choose between A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 and Children of the Corn. All right, well, that wasn't a decision, Graham. That was, you eliminated one. <laughs> We're going to need you to eliminate one other one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get Stephanie to watch this one so we can roll audio on her. Oh, and by the way, speaking of stuff on Shudder, Children of the Corn is on Shudder. All right, perfect. I want to go with Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Sounds like a plan. Um, 
Yeah, so very I'm Freddie's back. Yeah, very interesting stuff in this movie to talk about too. Um, that looking back, well, I, I don't want to give too much away. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get back. I I love a Nightmare on Elm Street. I love the concept. I love Freddy Krueger. Like you said, we've covered we've covered plenty of Michael Myers at this point. We've gotten a taste, a little bit of, of Jason. Jason. Yeah, I haven't even got him in his mask yet, but that's okay. And um, yeah, we'll go back to Freddy. I'm excited for Freddy. All right, so there you have it, folks. Uh, our first episode in November will be focused on A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I believe it's called Freddy's Revenge or Freddy's... Freddy's ba- What's it called? <laughs> Let's see. Freddy's Revenge. Yes. yes. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, part two, Freddy's Revenge, coming to you on November 12th. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We get to, see, uh, we get to go back and see Robert England, the great Robert England as Freddy Krueger, one of the most iconic characters in horror movie history. It's going to be fun. All right, so Graham, why don't you tell them about the Instagram and take us home? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, we appreciate you for listening. Uh, for supporting us um, with the Spotty Count Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Body Count Show. Um, we're getting new content out there. We've got, um, I've got more pictures of pumpkins. Steph and I are decorating pumpkins. Um, you guys might've seen her gumball pumpkin that we posted last week. We've got Trent's um, collection of Stephen King hardcovers growing. Of course, you're always going to get screen caps and movie posters from the movies that we review. So be sure to like, follow, share, on Instagram at Body Count Show. And with that, we'll see you in season two of Body Count coming soon. Later, guys.